Welcome to the College Ledger Podcast. We've been out. We've been moving. We've been traveling. We've been kicking it. We've been enjoying the nice weather in different locales. Sorry we haven't left you with a dope pod to step to. Apologies. Say what up to the people, Jordan. Oh, no Jordan today. He's still on vacay, but he'll be back soon. But we got something very special for you today. I'm going to give you five. You can bank on them bets. Go ahead, cash that money. And we're going to start making you some bread as the college football season approaches. So with that being said, let's start the show, Dudley. Right now, hiring Northwestern is looking for a head football coach. Damn, Pat Fitzgerald fired. They let your boy go like that. I read the complaint, it was pretty bad. Very sophomoric stuff taking place at a high-minded academic university. Um, you know, I, I I think if you come from locker room culture, football culture, maybe it doesn't seem that big of a deal to you. But, man, it's 2023. That stuff don't fly. Parents need to feel comfortable sending their kids to college. And these are still, you know, the molding years for youth, right? Like, yes, college football makes – billions of dollars and we love watching it and we think about it as a professional sport but in the end it's kids in school right so you know he f***ed up man but after 17 years of loyal service to northwestern no golden parachute booted out the door um i can see pat's fitzgerald i don't know about the nfl but i can definitely see him finding his way back into college football um i could see him as like a coordinator in the league but uh yeah, he'll he'll make his way out to like the Pac-12 or something like that. Like he is, we haven't we haven't heard the last of Pat Fisher. I actually think Pat Fisher would be a great coach of a service academy. Um, so you know, I'm not I'm not trying to chase Jeff Mulk or anybody out of a job. Uh, but yeah, I I would say he fits the profile of you know being able to win on the margins, um, and being able to get the absolute most out of a team. And, you know, Northwestern played in a Big Ten championship two times. That's crazy, man. Um, you know, so it's unfortunate. It is. But I, I would say that, to me, the more interesting angle to the story is who's going to get the job. Because <laughs> they haven't really announced, you know, that somebody's taken over, which makes sense because if you're firing the coach because of what took place under his watch, then wouldn't all those same coordinators and and assistant coaches have been around for all those same actions as well. So wouldn't they also kind of be out the door? So do you need somebody to come in and kind of clean house? You know, I don't know if they can like reach out to like a, like a urban Meyer type and see if they can just get him for a year. Um, you know, I, that's a tough one. Like, you know, I mean, Gary Barnett probably still walking around, right? They might be Gary <laughs> Barnett out there, like, you know, he's probably like, what, 75, 76, something like that, years old. So maybe Gary Barnett can come out of the woods, coach him for a season, 
and give them time to actually, because you know, the season's getting ready to start. Like fall camp starts in like three weeks, right? Like it's, it's going to be tough to like get a coach from either the pros or from college to, to come and, you know, take over even at an amazing institution like Northwestern, just because it's like, you know, the season's getting ready to start. Like you're locked in. Um, and, you know, this has a lot of shades of obviously not the same type of scandal, but has a lot of shades of the situation at Penn state. Right. Um, when Bill O'Brien came in and took over, um, you know, and so it's tough. It's, it's, it's tough because, you know, you got to find a coach who's going to be able to keep it's, it's Northwestern. So it's like the recruiting classes, whatever, but like, you want to be able to at least keep the kids that are on the team there and, and you don't want to get pilfered too much by other universities, um, you know, during this moment of chaos right now. And with the coach being fired now, all the kids are able to transfer without losing a year of eligibility. You know, so you got to find someone that's going to be able to keep that class together, but then also recruit knowing that they might not have the job next year. Right. So that's why it's like, yeah, I get Gary Barnett's old and, and assuming, you know, he's faculties are all good to go like I think that's somebody that'd be a great option only because he can sell the school he can sell the vision he can help you hire a new coach um and and make a pitch but you know I was reading an article earlier preparing for this episode and they're talking about Matt Campbell and Sharon Moore and Brian Artline and it's like dog are you kidding me right now like these people are locked in on their season Matt Campbell is a head coach like, what would that say if your head coach left to take the job at Northwestern? It's like, no, Northwestern, you're going to do us like that, right? Like, yeah, at the end of the season, I can see that. But, like, if I was Northwestern, I'd want to take my time. I'd want to have the best possible access to the widest group of candidates. Um, and so I don't know that I would rush my decision and say, like, oh, we got to get a coach and it's got to be our guy, right? Like, you know, um, similar to Mike Leach passing away, right? It's, it was a, you know, they, they promoted an assistant, little, obviously different situation there. Um, and then they gave the extension to the coach after bringing him on, after promoting him. But like, I, I don't know if that's the right move. Like maybe it is, maybe it works out. But like, I also think that like, you were mostly just trying to keep a class together, right? And then being able to recruit. And so, and maybe they look at it like, all right, whatever, we can still fire him at the end of this year. We only gave him a couple couple years on the deal so we'll pay that off and we'll go out and get whoever um you know but I think that like with as much change that's coming to Northwestern but college football in general next year with the expansion of the SEC and the expansion of the Big Ten after the Big 12 is already expanding this season with the playoff expanding I think that and there's maybe some years Northwestern might have got in 2019 right like 2020 sorry Right. So, you know, I don't I don't want to say that, like. This is a lost cause season for Northwestern, but I would say don't over index on finding the coach for forever right now. Find the coach for right now, right now. Right. And get someone that can help you hold the class together, hold the team together Reach. I mean, it's Northwest is probably get that big of a clash yet anyways, right, from a recruiting standpoint. So for the most part, help you keep the kids that you already got committed, committed, right, that are supposed to show up on campus here or already just got to campus. And then keep your team together, try to recruit for next year, right? But 
really what you're probably going to try to do is maybe even in an October situation, make a hire. That's unless you can maybe go out and get Jim Leonard, right? Um, that that might be the move, right? He knows the Big Ten footprint, defensive-minded like Pat Fitzgerald, so he could maximize the current roster, probably wouldn't cost you an arm and a leg, allows you to sell the past, sorry, allows you to keep the class together and sell the future, right? And and also allows you to like have a coach on par with the other coaches in the conference. Yes, you know, Jim Leonard wasn't retained at Wisconsin and they went with Luke Fickle instead, but Luke Fickle's been in the playoff. I think that's a little bit different of a calculation, but I, I don't, you know, look at Ryan Walters at Purdue, um, I don't, I don't know that Jim Leonard is much different than, than that tier, right? Defensive minded, you know, cut his chops as the coordinator, um, can go out and help him get some OC help. Right. And so I, I would say that like, I, I would maybe see what Jim Leonard is interested in that, that might be the best opportunity. He knows the big 10 West and it's still around for at least this year. And I think that he's a young enough coach where he'll adapt well to the changing landscape of NIL and what's going to be coming down the pipeline with USC and UCLA expanding. I think he has NFL chops, which will help you be able to sell development. I think that was Pat Fitzgerald's whole thing, right? What's development. I'm going to find two stars and three stars and no stars and develop them. You know, Pete Skaronsky going in the, the first round this year from, from Penn state, and so I think that Jim Leonard might be able to do that same type of thing, right? I'm going to have backs and safeties that I bring in, coach up, develop, and I'm going to be able to get quarterbacks and safeties into the league at a clip. Um, and so, you know, I I think that that's probably the move, right? I think obviously you want to keep your search wide. You want to keep lots of coaches in mind in terms of who would be good fits you might want to see like could we you're not gonna be able to go get like tony dungy um for a year but like you might be able to get like a a, a older former coordinator right to come in and sort of maintain i was thinking like a david Cutcliffe type right like he might even be around right you only need somebody for a year right so if you're hunting through the retired ranks and it's like, hey, do we want to see if we can just get someone to kind of hold the fort together for us for a year? And then we could figure out, can we can we get stoops, right? Like, you know, because um, again, it's just a one-year commitment. It's not like we're expecting this person to coach moving forward. It's can we get somebody to just come in for one year, help us for the year, help keep the class together? I think ideally it's someone that has those Midwest ties, those Northwestern ties, um, you know, like, Spurrier, right? Like I'm, I'm throwing out mad old coaches, but that's kind of the profile, right? It's like if you're not gonna go with like someone who's the current coach, it's hey, while everyone is figuring their situations out, can we go out and get someone who can just maintain it, right? Like we've stressed, right? Like who can be the person that can just kind of drive the car, right, and get us from point A to point B, and then we move forward with you know our coach of the coach of the future as we conduct a search uh, during the year. So I'll end it with that. I'll end it with Jim Leonard or get you an old timer who's going to be able to most likely walk into those rooms, get you some recruits, keep your class together, make the kids feel excited that they're going to get a unique experience um, and somebody who can be the voice of the program. Because that's, you know, just to, right before we close on Northwestern, like they lost the face and voice of 
that program, like it, it, when you think Northwestern football, you think Pat Fitzgerald, like maybe Gary Barnett in the past, right? But like Pat Fitzgerald right now, 17 years. And so like there is a massive, massive, massive crater um, at the core of that program right now. And that's a program that was already fighting Rutgers to not be in last place every year, right? Yeah, we talked about they won the Big Ten West a couple times. Yeah, they got to the Big Ten Championship a couple times. Um, but in an ex- in a divisionless Big Ten with USC and UCLA on the way, I think those days are over for Northwestern. And if they don't get this right, they're in trouble. I'm not going to speak on if, you know, he should or shouldn't have been fired. Like, you made the mistake. You suffered the consequences. It is what it is. He'll be fine. He'll get another job. But like in terms of Northwestern moving forward right now, this is a massive decision that like they need to get right. And with a new athletic director and a new president, um, you know, they got the spotlight on them. So it's going to be really interesting to see where Northwestern goes from here. And if, you know, they are able to maintain any modicum of their past success, uh, under Pat Fisher, I'll move forward. So that's my thoughts on Northwestern. We'll holla at y'all after the break. I'm going to give you a breakdown of not just so much the season, but some bets that you're going to be able to make that are going to take your pockets up. Holla back next. All right, back. Now, I did a little research, messing with the sports books. Shout out to Caesars, even though they're not a sponsor. And I looked and said, okay, can I find five bets, futures on the current season that just look like straight locks? Like, yo, $100 down, line my pockets on each one of these. See if I can help you turn a hundred bucks into a G. All right. So you can, you can cake on these and I, I feel pretty confident. We're going to walk through them and, and, you know, shout out to me, college ledger at gmail.com. If you think it's whack, eventually we may get a Twitter set up. We don't really like Twitter. Maybe we'll mess with threads. Um, so we'll, we'll see, you know, when we get the season going, we'll be more interactive, but right now we just hitting you with the pods. You got something to step to and we'll go from there. So, first lock, 2023 college football season is an under. And don't get mad at me. I'm not hating on them, but it's just how I feel. So, I found on Caesars, they have Cal at plus 100 under five games. That is a Lizzie. I'm talking lock. Cal winning more than five games, son? You got Cal going to a ball, son? Not going to be able to do it. I don't even see the push at five. But I'm telling you, Cal under five. Let's walk through it real quick, okay? Let's just walk through Cal's schedule. Okay, so they start the year September 2nd on the road at North Texas. I'm being straight up honest. That might be a locks. They might lose that game, dog. Right? And even if you gave that to him as a dub, that's one, okay? 
Week two, home against Auburn. For sure an L. Hugh Freeze going to light that ass up. Week three, at home against Idaho. Okay, I'll give you a dub there. That's two. Okay, next week, they play Washington. L. Next week, they play Arizona State at home. Maybe that's a win. But Kenny Dillingham, he going to have Arizona State cracking, right? The Herm Edwards era is over. I love my boy Herm, right? I love my boy Herm. But we play to win the games. And Herm didn't win a lot of games at Arizona State, unfortunately. <laughs> so he ain't there no more. But I think Kenny Dillingham probably going to win that game. But even if you want it, go ahead and give him the dub. That's three dubs. So right now, North Texas a dub, and I don't think that's a dub. Uh, Arizona State and Idaho. Okay, so three dubs. Then they are at home against Oregon State. No chance, dog. DJ Ui Ungalale going to give it to him. Um, then they play at Utah. Utah is 19 and oh, I think something like that. The past two seasons at home, so that's an L. I mean, next game is home against Caleb Williams at USC. L, and then they on the road against Oregon. L, and then home against Washington State. Cam Warden, them boys. I mean, that's an L, like that's an L, but like let's let's give them the dub. So that's four. And then they're on the road at Stanford. That might be your fifth win. But I'm telling you right now, as somebody that has watched a lot of Sacramento State football because he hails from Sacramento, the steal your Toyota Camry city, I would say Troy Taylor's going to have Stanford ready for that one. And he is not going to lose his first rivalry game. So I am not going to give you that dub at Stanford in a rivalry game, sorry, son, you're taking the L there. And then at UCLA, L, that's four wins. I think you're going to have to struggle to get to four, if I'm being honest with Cal. That team is dog shit. And so, lock it, baby, plus 100, under five? Caesars, give me that money. Cash it. Cash it. All right? I, I need a little deli. We need like a like some special effects so we can get that like cash register sound playing in the background because I'm giving you straight money in your pockets. How under five on the season plus one hundred bank it. Next up, we're gonna do. You can parlay this, or in my opinion, you probably get a better payout by separating them out, at least from the percentage chances, right, of actually seeing that bread, is you could put this as a parlay. Well, you wouldn't really want to put it as a parlay. You'd put it as, like, you could bank all three of these, and you could spread them across different sites if you want, right? But basically, I'm, I'm going to give you any one of these three teams to win the natty, plus the bet that comes after it as a season over win total. So you can parlay those two. So one of these three teams to win the natty plus the team I tell you after, or you could bet them all individually. And that's how you could get your five. Okay. So first up, this is more of a odds bet than a rooted in science or been digging through the roster and got a bunch of feel for how they're going to perform. It's mostly just like they're due. And I think they feel disrespected. I think this next school feels like they've lost their shine to the current pretty boy of the moment right now. And I think they want to take some of that shine back. And it's plus 650 
to win the national championship, Alabama Crimson Tide. All right, let's walk through their season real fast. They start the road, home, Middle Tennessee, go ahead and get that. That's a dub. And then they play Texas. I think that'll be a dub. I play South Florida. That'll be a dub. Ole Miss at home. That'll be a dub. At Mississippi State. That'll be a dub. At Texas A&M. That'll be a dub. Home against Arkansas. That'll be a dub. Home against Tennessee. You know that'll be a dub after last year. Home against LSU. That's where it gets tricky. Okay? But by then, they're already going to be maybe number one, number two in the country, depending on what the other teams look like. And I think as long as that's the only loss, the problem they may run into is if Georgia's undefeated on the other side and it's like an LSU-Georgia doesn't matter who wins it, they're both going to the playoff type of game, then Bama could get pushed out. But but I'm assuming LSU is going to maybe stumble again. I'm going to kind of contradict myself here later, not to foreshadow. Um but I like Alabama's chances. They damn near got it last year with two losses. And I think they probably put the pitch together well enough to get in with two losses this year if need be. Um, but I don't think we're going to see three SEC teams for sure in, in the playoff. I, I think we will see one to two, of course. Um, but yeah, so I'm going to go with Bama plus 650 to win the national championship. Um, I just think that Again, this isn't so much about roster. I know Tyler Buckner or whoever might be the quarterback. I'm not I'm not worried about that. I'm not worried about Tommy Reese. I'm not worried about any of that. I'm worried about the fact that, like, it's still Nick Saban's football team. And I think there is a level of we need to remind everybody who we are type of vibe with Alabama. Very quiet. They know they should have performed better last year. They know they didn't take full advantage of having the number one overall pick in the NFL draft at quarterback. Um, and so I think you're going to see an angry, aggressive uh, Alabama that doesn't make as many mistakes as last year. I think the mistakes will get drilled out of them this summer. I think they know their margin for error is much tighter with Bryce Young gone. And so I think you're going to see a team that looks more like that Mac Jones team. Obviously, they're not going to have that wide receiver core. Um but yeah, you're going to see an angry Alabama. And so give me them plus 650 national championship. Next up, you probably saw this one coming. Plus 800 to win the Natty, the University of Michigan. Now, yes, I went to Michigan. Yes, I'm a Michigan homer. But the preseason poll, two or three, depending on where you look at, they got who I've feel like would have been the Heisman Trophy winner last year if he hadn't gotten hurt. You know, McCarthy's probably a first to third round draft pick at quarterback, right? You got Donovan Edwards, first or second round draft pick. You got maybe the best offensive line again in the country, maybe a third time Joe Moore Ward winner. Drake Nugent at center. Drake Nugent would have been probably top half of the NFL draft this year. Ladarius Henderson, a left tackle, top half of the draft this year. Uh, you have Carson Barnhart. You have Trente Jones. You have Trevor Keegan. You have Zach Zenter. Keegan and Zenter probably would have been in the NFL draft. So it's it's arguable that, like, with the exception of at right tackle, uh, the entire Michigan offensive line could have been in the league this year, right? So, you know, I 
uh, the the questions are at corner, right? Will Johnson, obviously legit. Um, this is a less of a schedule. We already know Michigan's schedule is not going to be the toughest, with the exception of you know the rivalry game with Michigan State, Penn State, and um, Ohio State, obviously. And you know they do go on the road and play Nebraska. So there's there's definitely going to be some trip up games. Um, but I think until they go on the road and play at Beaver Stadium, which I got to see during my travels this summer, well, the show hasn't been going. Stayed in State College in enemy territory. Went to Beaver Stadium. Took pictures. Who am I? What am I? Am I a Nittany Lion or am I a Wolverine? What's going on here? Uh, beautiful football stadium. Would love to go back for a game. Um, may even go back for the Michigan game this year. We'll see. Now that I know how to find it. I will say this, though. Smells a lot like cows, and it is in the middle of nowhere, and I'm surprised they're able to, to recruit at the level they are to that cow town. So don't come at me in the thing. I like your school. I like your school, but it's got a strong Oregon State smell to it. <laughs> oh, man. Why do all those state schools all smell like farms, dog? What's going on out there? Y'all got that agriculture major. That's why, man. It smells like Davis. <laughs> We're going to rank the schools that are best at football whose campuses smell like cow shit. So that'll be a future episode of the college football ledger. All right, back to the bets. So plus Michigan, Michigan plus 800 on the season, national championship. You know, they're going to probably be, I'd say like football power index, top five, top 10 in both, right? So uh, I, I, I think they're along with Ohio State and Georgia, probably one of those three is is your is your national champion. And probably if you throw Bama and like a Florida State LSU in the mix, like those are your that's your group of who's going to be playing in the game, most likely. You know, I know Jordan was here, he'd say Texas, um, but Jordan ate here. So we're not going to say Texas outside of the mentions they've already got. Next up, also to win the national championship. Yes. I'm contradicting myself, but if you put all three of these down with the plus odds, one of them's going to cash, you should be good to go. LSU plus 1,200. Now, hear me out. Hear me out. I know I picked Bama already, and I know I'm contradicting a bit, but I, that's because I truly feel like that Bama-LSU game not only probably decides the SEC champion, I think it may decide the national champion. Yes, I said it. I think the LSU-Bama game this year may decide our national champion um, at more than like a 50% clip. I think the person that, the team that wins that game most likely goes on to win it all. Um, you know, and again, I know I picked Michigan before. Obviously, I'm be rooting for my boys, but you know, we know what the SEC does in these games. It's tough to beat them. But yeah, I I think that like schedule aside, right? And we we know they have to play, you know, Bama on the road, so we know that might be a loss. But that's the type of loss they could overcome. And if that's their only loss, they may still be able to get into the playoff, right? Like that, it's. I don't think it's unreasonable to assume that an LSU with only one loss to Alabama on the road is out of playoff contention, right? Ohio State got in with a home loss to Michigan the last week of the season, right? So I don't I don't think that's that's too crazy. They start 
neutral site against Florida, but I think that game's in New Orleans, right? So, and if not, whatever, it's neutral site. Maybe it's in, you know, some camping world stadium in Orlando or whatever. Um, I I think they probably win that game. I know they lost it last year on like a weird ending, but they're a better football team than Florida State. Are they still with all the transfers Florida State has had in the portal? Uh, that'll be a good Jordan Travis litmus test game. But I I just have a trust in Brian Kelly's preparedness for these type of big games with a little bit of time to get ready for them, much like a Nick Saban. So I'm going to go with LSU in that game. They play Grambling. Shout out to the HBCUs. Uh, they play Mississippi State on the road, Arkansas at home, Mississippi on the road. So Old Miss on the road. Lane Kiffin might give them a struggle. Uh, Missouri on the road. That's actually a pretty sweet road game to get Missouri on the road. They should be able to bring that one home. Auburn at home, Army at home, uh, on the road against Bam, like we talked about before. They have Florida at home, which is clutch, because that's a sticky game. That's one of those, hey, if this was on the road, maybe we trip up. Maybe we can lose this one. So having that at home is huge. You know, they play that bullshit SEC schedule where you play a chump-ass team at the end of the season. So they got Georgia State at the end. At least Georgia State's like, ah, going to give me something. Ain't Georgia Southern, though. Um, but, you know, you got to get a tussle, but it ain't going to matter. They'll get the dub. And then they end with Texas A&M, which they actually lost last year. But I don't think they will lose again. So, I mean, I'm looking at home against maybe Auburn, home against, um, sorry, on the road against Old Miss and on the road against Bama. Like, those are your three. And maybe maybe K.J. Jefferson goes off and that Arkansas game gets a little sticky. But after watching what Harold Perkins did to them last year, I feel pretty confident they're going to navigate their way out of there. You know, Brian Kelly can have some soup on the sideline for them. They should be fine. Um, so, yeah, I, I I would say LSU. And, I mean, plus 1,200 is bananas, right? So, you got to – I I think I already bet this earlier in the year. Um and I don't think I got plus 1,200, so I may go ahead and throw some more shekels down and get LSU. But I picked LSU a while back to win the Natty um, just because I feel like Brian Kelly really impressed me by beating Nick Saban last year. That, I was very impressed by that win. Very, I know it was at home, but that was one of those, like, you need to win this game to show the fan base that you were the right hire, and he won that game. And and it's tough. It's tough to like know you need to deliver and then still be able to like crush it and deliver and meet those expectations. And so shout out to Brian Kelly, shout out to LSU, plus 1200 national championship winners. That's four, right? So I gave you Cal under five wins plus 100, Bama to win the Natty plus 650, Michigan to win the Natty plus 800, LSU to win the Natty plus 1200. Right now, you could parlay that cow with the Bama Mish LSU, or you could parlay them with what I'm going to give you last. And we talked about them before, I think possibly for a second when we were going over Cal's schedule. We did, but I'm going to go with Oregon State, and you're going to laugh at me, but I feel confident. Over eight and a half wins. That's right. I said it. Nine wins, Oregon State Beavers, plus 115. All right, let's go through the sketty real quick. So they start home against San Jose State. That should be a dub. Davis should be a dub. San Diego State dub. So I got them 3-0. and Washington State on the road will be tricky. That's definitely not a gimme game. 
I'm not going to count it. So we'll say for right now, push on that. Utah at home. This is where my eight and a half turns. This is a big one. Now, if this was Utah on the road, I definitely would not be giving you Oregon State at plus 115 over eight and a half wins. I think they beat Utah. I do. I think they beat Utah. I think that's a 330 kick is what I'm looking at here. Oh, sorry. That's a nine o'clock kick. Book that shit. I'm sorry. Right. I was going in tepid before, but on the road in conference at night, dog. Scheduled loss. I know they got Cam Rising, but Cam Rising also throws a million interceptions, right? So, you know, I love Utah. Two-time defending Pac-12 champions. I believe they're going to be 100% in the thick again. I just believe they're going to lose this football game on the road at night. Oregon State, DJ Uyunglele, running all over them. Let's go. All right? So I got them at four wins. I got them at San Jose State, Davis, San Diego State, and I have them turning it around after possibly a loss against Washington state. And I got them beating Utah, September 23rd, 9 PM kick at home, DJ balling four wins Cal next week on the road. That's easy. Lunch money, five wins. Now we have another turn the page game. UCLA at home is probably going to be a three thirty kick, maybe a nine kick, but no matter what that game's going to be ending second half at night in the dark, once again, on the road, at conference, at night, UCLA. I don't know what your quarterback situation is right now. Is it going to be Dante Moore, a true freshman? I don't know. Is it going to be Colin Schley? I don't know. Like, I don't know. Is it going to be Garbers, right? Like, I don't know who your dude is. It ain't going to be DTR. That's what I know. I know DTR ain't going to be there. So that is an L for UCLA, dub for Oregon State, okay? So... And then Arizona's a dub, Colorado's a dub. What are we at here? So we got San Jose State, we got Davis, San Diego State, we got Utah, we got Cal, we got UCLA, we got Arizona, we got Colorado, all right? And then they play Stanford, dub, at home. There's your nine right there. I just gave you nine. That's nine. So even if they lose to Washington at home, which I don't know if they will, that's going to be a game, right? And if that's second half, is at night, the crowd in Corvallis going wild, right? House of Pain thumping. They might take a L, right? Washington might, Michael Penix, you know, that first read ain't there. I don't always know with your boy. So, you know, maybe they get the dub. Maybe they don't. But even if they lose that game, I don't think it'll matter. And then they got to go on the road rivalry game, Oregon, 830 kick. That's probably a L. But rivalry game, that's your in-state rival. You never know with those. They won it last year, right? <laughs> Oregon had the craziest game plan ever. Shout out to my Ducks. But, like, you know, I still got you at nine wins, right? I, I got you at nine wins. I got you at nine and three. Um, I believe that plus 115 will cash. I believe that Washington State game I had as an L might be a dub. Right. So like, yeah, even if they lose to UCLA, they probably still beat Washington State. And and I believe that this Oregon State team, while last year, probably they were a little above expectations. I believe this Oregon State team that has expectations has the 
the talent. And I, I believe in DJ. I know people don't believe in DJ, but I think that was more of a Clemson situation than a DJ situation. And I believe that big ass motherfucker block out my curse word Dudley is going to be able to carry the ball and run, throw some, throw some bombs, find him an offense that works. I mean, my man was a five-star from Cali, like five-star Cali quarterbacks normally pan out. Okay. Right. Shout out to CJ Stroud. Shout out to Bryce Young. So, and I mean, DJ was right there with them homies. And I believe that he is still right there. I think he needs to be in an offense that'll let his skill set shine. Um, and yeah, I give me Oregon state, like, Nine and a half, ah, maybe not eight and a half. Sorry, give me Oregon State with the nine wins plus 115. So let's run through them. Cal under five plus 100, lock, book it, play the cash register. Bama plus 650 to win the national title, Michigan plus 800 national title, LSU plus 1200 national title, play the cash register sound. And then Oregon State over eight and a half plus 115, play the cash registers down. We need like a Pink Floyd, money. We need that. We need that. We need that banger, right? So that we can have that that buddy sound. Because I'm giving you straight winners, straight cash in your pocket. We'll be back next week with more money for you, more story for you. Hopefully, maybe Pat Fitzgerald is listening. He can pick some of these winners, put some cash in his pocket because he going to need it because he got fired for cause and ain't going to get a payout. And ain't he going to have to lawyer up to see if he can get some of that bread. So not only not money coming in, money going out, probably don't qualify for unemployment at his tax bracket. I will see you on most likely ESPN, Pat Fitzgerald, on Saturdays. We will see y'all next week. We love you. Collegeledger at gmail.com. Sorry we've been gone for so long. We won't be as gone as long again. Peace. This episode of the College Ledger Podcast is presented to you by Equals Human, a sustainable, eco-friendly, women-co-founded fashion brand. You can find their products at equalshuman.com.